Greetings and salutations. <clears throat> oh, we're doing another one. Another podcast. Two days in a row because I felt like it. Got caught up with all my crap and a hell of a lot better mood than I was yesterday. Don't know why. Don't know why. Why is it? Sure, it has something to do with neurochemistry or endorphins or something like that. Why are you miserable one day and great the next? <clears throat> there was one time, one time back in the olden days, um, and it shows you just how lies, not necessarily deceit, but and we can't even call it lies, being misled into thinking there's a utopia or there's pastures greener on the other side or that you're about to achieve success and that all your problems will go away. It happened my last, I'd say, year of college because I graduated six months early because I worked hard and I'm a freaking genius. But it was such a taxing toll. And up until that point, I was 21, starting about to go into 22 before I was going to graduate. I mean, there was no money. I I hate to keep bringing that up, but there, there was no money. And I was finally, finally, from the age of 3 to 21, 18 years, damn well near 20 if you round it up, where you knew what poverty was. You knew what it was like not to have things you wanted. Where, and not only things, but just to be able to go. I mean, one of the greatest things in my life was when I finally got a pedal bike. Stepdad got me a pedal bike. And then we could bike. So there was a huge amount of freedom there. That was huge. That was, that was amazing. But then <clears throat> there was no finances to go with it. So as a kid, you're faced with the paradox. You you have all the time and freedom in the world during summer, at least anyway. Uh, and you got a bike. And as far as that is, that's your car. Uh, but you have no money. And you have no rights either. You can't just go wherever you want. You, sometimes a cop's going to say, where are you going? I remember biking, uh, what was it? Portage. Bike from Milwaukee to Portage, Wisconsin. Anthem, look that up. Perodin knows where that is. Uh <laughs> I didn't get, I didn't know cops bothered me, but I was thinking like, what if a cop was like, where are you from? Like, would, would I get in trouble? I was like, yeah, it's not that far away. Anyway, um, where was I going with this? Oh, so um, it, it was this almost two decade long process where I was going to get finances and freedom and I was under the false pretenses, under the lies, under the false promises of higher education that I was going to graduate with a near 4.0. Uh, I was kicking ass in my job working security. I was kicking ass at school. I logically deduced I, with my work ethic and I was working 80 hours a week, I'm going to kick ass at work. And then I'm going to make my quarter million a year. Maybe not a quarter million. I had to go get an MBA. But I was definitely going to make 100000 within a reasonable amount of time. I was not a delusional dude, bro. I had the work ethic. I had the intelligence. I knew to outmaneuver, outclass, outwork, outsmart all the business majors. And I thought, oh, this is going to be cake. This is, and, and I'm free. Now I got it. I was going to buy my property, get a duplex. because I was going to pay that off. I'd have it paid off by the time I was 30. And this was the big, the big coup d'etat. This was the big finish line. Graduating with no debt. Paid for everything myself. Working full-time to go into school full-time. I would start without any encumbrances. Without any handicaps. Without any student loans. And a work ethic that had been for I it was the it was like this the sword was coming fresh of the crucible out of the furnace. It was gonna be the sharpest, strongest sword, and my god was I gonna slay down some money. And so building up to the graduation, like I had so much momentum, I had the system down, it was easy. My last semester I only had to take one class 
because uh, that's how ahead of the game I was. And for that entire year, I was on such a dopamine or endorphin high or whatever, my dreams were spectacular. Also, I wasn't drinking either because there was no money or time for it. And, I, and I'd be busting my ass off all the time. So I get this deep, wonderful, fully resting sleep. And then you add the endorphins that were just pumping through my system at that time. And I had these amazing dreams, anti-nightmares, just, just spectacular dreams. And you wake up even more refreshed, like, let's go! And then also you're dumped into the real world. And then going from that, that pumped, hype, excited, happy, true happiness, true happiness, and a constant high because you didn't know any better. You didn't know that the grass wasn't greener on the other side. It was a cliff. I could never recapture it. Could never because I'm too smart now. I'm too wise. I know that's not, even though I may be looking that in, in the face of it right now. Well, asshole consulting may go on forever. Well, you did pay off your house. Things are kind of, you know, yeah, you can't trust it again. You cannot have that blissful hope of the future anymore once reality has kicked your ass a couple times. And oh man, would I kill for that? I'd kill for that, and I'd kill to be like where I could enjoy life and not worry about taking days off, playing video games, and vegging and doing absolutely nothing. Just to, just to do and not have a worry in the world, not feel guilty, just to be that kid again. And you can't, you can't go back. So I, I don't even know if you can recapture that in any way. Now, I know a lot of people like to take drugs. I'm feeling down. What, two podcasts ago, three podcasts ago, we did the segment about how, yeah, it was the New York Times, how what, one in four people are on antidepressants and a certain percentage of them are addicted and now they're going through withdrawals because they've been on the fake happy drug the entire time because they were too weak. Too weak, and that's what you fucking pussies were. You were too weak to handle the real world. You couldn't brave through it. You want to pop a pill because it's easy and you're lazy. But now I'm curious. Like, okay, now that you get rid of the artificial environment and the lies and the misdirection and all that, now that you're in normal, we're like, why is it yesterday I was kind of in a down mood? There was no reason to be down. Heck, it was sunny out, and now it's cloudy. That don't make no sense. Just in a good mood. Just in a great mood. Uh, and I want to talk about two main things today. Uh, one is the saint. And for you old timers who recognize the intro, you say, ah, Simon Templar. And the other one is Starbucks because that just that is the gift that keeps on giving. I was going to talk about that yesterday, but there was so much <clears throat> other stuff going on. Ah, the saint, the saint. So the old captain... Um, again, in his efforts to relax and force myself to calm down, I take at least an hour a night off doing vegetable stuff. And um, I always wanted to watch The Saint. Now, The Saint, we're not talking the movie starring Val Kilmer in the 90s. That was a remake, just like Man from Uncle was a remake, a remake of a 1960s show called The Saint, starring a very, very, very young Roger Moore. <clears throat> And I was like, yeah, we'll watch the saint. I'll give it a shot. You know how I didn't have high hopes for it. I don't know why, but maybe I had too much nostalgia for black and white in the olden days, and it it looked too good. Hey, here's a straight, cleaned up guy with a suit that solves problems. It's got a spy kind of international man of mystery thing. To, uh, uh, oh my god, I think I'm, I think I'm four episodes in. I would say it ranks up there 
with uh, maybe just a little shy of uh, Jean-Claude Von Johnson. Now, that completely different genre, but in terms of entertainment value and quality, it, it's up there with Jean-Claude Von Johnson. I wouldn't say Hogan's Heroes. Hogan's Heroes is hands down the best show ever made in the history of the world. Best television show ever. But it ranks up there. And it's basically the story of, of it's not, they don't even say, they don't even say. You don't know if he's a, a spy or if he's, he works for an agency or if he's a gumshoe detective. He's none of those things. They never peg it down. All he is is this international playboy called Simon Templar. And they always introduce him. They always introduce him. It's the coolest. Like, I, I watched the first episode. I'm like, oh, okay, that. And then you watch the second episode. And like, oh, they, 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 do, they do the thing with the halo again. And then the third episode, you realize, you realize the skit. You realize the gimmick. So what? It, every episode, every episode starts out with Roger Moore walking up and giving a little. He, he breaks the fourth wall. He goes up, gives a little bit of a diatribe to the uh to the audience so he'll be in an airport he says you know the funny thing about airports is that everyone's really nervous and jumpy but is there a reason to be it's a little philosophical there's a little bit of a sermon in there like look at those people over there they have no reason to be nervous or do they and then what invariably happens he's in some kind of they're using a lot of airports because he's always jetting off to this country or that country. They, they haven't even filmed one in the United States. They're always in Europe somewhere. <clears throat> but what invariably happens is, you know, he's a tall, striking pose type of guy. He's got the, the suit, six foot two. Someone will say, hey, don't I know that guy? And then she will, you know, the gal or the guy will lean to another guy. He's like, does that guy look familiar? And it's like, don't you know who that is? No, who is he? Why, that's the world-famous Simon Templar. And when they say Simon Templar, the theme song comes in. Doo, 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 doo. And then a little halo goes above uh, uh, Roger Moore's head. He just has a smirk on his face. My God, dude! Dude, that's it! That's it! So now, because the show is classy, it's old, and no one has any class anymore, and maybe at most some classy high-end baby boomers might have watched the show. We're talking Peter Gunn level. Peter Gunn, TJ Martinell, if you're listening to this, you got to watch Peter Gunn, you got to watch The Saint. Um, very few people are going to have the couth to know about The Saint. So I think going forward, I'm going to go with Simon Templar. Like when people ask me my name, I don't want them to know that I'm an author, an international blogger, economist, playboy extraordinaire. I'm just going to say, Simon. I say, oh, what's your last name? I say, Templar. He doesn't say Templar, like Knights Templar, although it is spelled that way. I'm just going to say Templar. Simon Templar. And no one will get it. No one will get it. But then in my mind, when I'm being introduced to people at a cigar lounge or an activity or something, my in my head it's gonna have the theme song. Do 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 And yes, I think it'll be Roger Moore. Oh yeah, Simon Templar. Hmm. So you have to watch the show. It's well done. Um there's a little bit of action, not too much. Uh, but intrigue and mystery and who done it, and everyone's dressed very fancy. It is no shock, no shock that Roger Moore now uh, what's his name Lazenby was picked after Connery and he only did one. And then I bet you I'd be curious maybe T.J. Martineau who's doing a series on the history of James Bond he might know why they didn't immediately go to Roger Moore. 
because he had all the mannerisms, all the acting. It was starring, happening at the same time as when the James Bond shows were coming out. Dr. No, I think it was 1962. The first episode of The The Saint was 1962. And um, they were parallel, parallel. And then I think, oh, what else? The... um, uh, the Man from Uncle. I think that was a little bit later. That even went into the 70s. But it was that whole early 60s spy genre. Which none of those shows are bad. Even I Spy with Bill Cosby, which I think was starting in the 70s. That was alright. Um, well, then they did what? The spoof. No, Mission Impossible wasn't a spoof. Mission Impossible was... It's all good. All good. Not a bad spy show amongst them. Get Smart. That was the spoof one they did. Oh, and the fashion. 19, I was wondering about this. Like, from 42 to 52 to 62, the fashion was perfect. Men wore sharp suits. Maybe you wore a fedora. Um, but it was just... And the and the, the female fashion is, is wonderful in the show. But man, in three short years, what the hell happened from 62 to 65? What what in God's name? Because I look at fashion, nothing has really changed since the late 90s. The fashion has not changed. The music hasn't changed. I don't know, Martin L. suggested maybe it's the internet, and once the internet came aboard, uh, fads and techniques and fashion and music and everything just kind of did the same. It's like this gray pile of goo, this amorphous, not really defined, doesn't crystallize, doesn't form into any one thing. There's not the feathered bangs that the girls had in the 80s. The guys don't have no mullets. Nothing has changed in America, visually or audibly, from 1998 on. Even the cars. The cars don't look any different. You don't have the box cars or the donks of the 70s and the 80s. Tell me, tell me how a car looks any different than the than the jelly bean with wheels, aka the Ford Taurus. Nothing's really there's not no, and that's maybe fine. I I'm glad the boxy cars of the '80s are gone. I'm glad the '70s are gone. But the lethargy, and even lethargy is too much of a word. Indicates too much action because it just means well, it's molasses like slow. There hasn't been any evolution in culture, fashion architecture from 1998 on which again i'm, I'm okay with i you know I, I wish clothes would get go back to the 1960s but it is light was lightning speed from 1962 to 1965 because you watch the saint you watch uh, man from uncle you watch goldfinger and that's 1964 everybody's dressed real nice the girls look feminine the men look masculine nice sharp cut suits nice sharp cut dresses and then i don't know what you baby boomers put in the water or if, or if you all went hippie, but man, 1965, that's where it fell apart. And then by the time you hit 1970, oh, it was like you just, you just threw out all of the perfection, all of the beauty, all the charm of American fashion, uh, culture, music. Oh my God, the music. Going from the jazz greats of the 19, early 60s and the late 50s, the Miles Davises and the Charlie Parkers and all that. To the fucking shit slot that you baby boomers listened to at Woodstock. What the hell happened? How did you go? I guess you were going downhill so it was easy. Like to improve upon the suit that 
uh, Roger Moore was, or the suits Roger Moore was wearing in the Saint, that would take a lot of effort. It would take a very keen eye. It would take a true artist to see it and move on. But I guess you boomers were the first ones to like, let's lower the standards. Let's go down low. We'll take the low road. It's all downhill. And we'll just start celebrating inferiority. Well, we'll be the we'll be the precursor to the fat acceptance movement. And man, you guys, everything was hair. I think that was the goal of the baby boomer from 1965 to about 1975. It was like, how much hair can we possibly grow on our bodies and the ugliest way possible? Big bushy mustaches, everything was brown. Much as I like them, you watch the Dean uh, Martin celebrity roast. You had the the poofy. Cornflower blue tuxedo shirts. It was hideous. And it was lightning quick. Lightning quick. How did you decay the fashion, the music, the architecture, the cars? How did you make it go from perfection to such utter crap and shit? How? I mean, and you got everybody to do it. Like, I take a look at... Let's take 1960, right? You got 1960. How would your mother, your grandmothers back then dress? Well, they'd be kind of a sharp little skirt. They might have some white gloves. Kind of a a Jacqueline Kennedy thing going on. Very sharp, very nice. Now, fast forward 10 years, 1970s. What is mom and grandma wearing? That 70s show shit. Everything's orange, loud, ugly, swirly patterns on your clothes. Every woman's wearing pants. Your hair is not even the, the beehive, which had an, a slight element and charm to it. You got some ugly bob cut thing. Everyone looks like they're in a, in a, a booze and pot and acid laced uh, Austin Powers movie. Everything's brown and orange and that was fashionable. Oh, and the green shade carpet. The green shade carpet. May, may the baby boomers be remembered and be identified by green shag carpet. May that may that be what defined your generation in history. Aside from parasitism <laughs> and just rank filth. Oh. And 10 years? Took 10 years, huh? Now think about this. Is there any difference between 2018 and 2008? I don't see any difference. Cars look the exact same thing. Hell, I probably got clothes that, that are from the 10 years ago that still fit and that's still just as fashionable. Uh, you you SJWs thinking you're cutting your hair and dyeing dyeing it and piercings and this and that and ear gauges that's no different. Heck, that that was happening in 1998. We we uh, Gen Xers were all over that. We were the original emo kids. We were the original ravers and and grunge. me, such me. I'm gonna put my scare on my eyes, man. Let's watch the crow, man. Did we ever grow up? But that was that was the shocking thing because it was so well done, the saint, I mean, that when they had the closing credits, I wanted to see you know the LCL or MCM LX MCM L fifty X sixty two. I looked, I'm like, this was made in 1962. I thought it was made in 1955. That's how sharp it all was. I'm like, wow, this is 62. And then I'm like, three years later, 
the country went to shit. How is everybody looking this good? And then think about that. 2018. Let's say 2015, three years ago, it was a completely different fashion. Everything looked differently three years ago. Could you imagine that? Nothing looks different three years ago. Everything looks the same. So that's uh, that was my observation. I cannot recommend the show enough. Um, hang on, where'd my podcast links go? Come on, where is it? You know what? I'll just open it up this way. Uh, just just a great show. Good plot. Pretty darn good acting. They had an annoying kid on the other. Although that kid is probably my grandparents' age by now. <clears throat> um, but. Um, yeah, just just good. And the other there's another thing I like about it. He hasn't kissed a girl yet. I mean, every girl's kind of like, "Ooh, that's Simon Templer." But there's no romance plot. He doesn't get the girl in the end. He hasn't even kissed the girl. Oh, he flirts with them. He flirts with them. But they keep it to business. They keep it to business. There's no I got to save the girl from the evil kidnapper. No, I get a kiss in the end. There's none of that. He's just He's just, well, thank you. I'll take care of that right now. And then he goes off into the distance and rides his convertible away. It's just real cool. Just real cool. All right. Uh, my Patreon account. Donate to that. Patreon.com slash Aaron Clary. Academic composition. If you guys are looking. Oh, he's hiring, by the way. If you, He's really hiring because we're coming up on the end of the school year. Uh, so he's ramping up. He needs writers and marketers. Contact Alex, academiccomposition.com. I got to post this ad on the blog. Uh, in the meantime, also do all your Amazon affiliate or Amazon shopping through my Amazon affiliate program. You go to capitalcapitalism.blogspot.com first. Look for the Amazon banner. It's to the right in the right sidebar. Click on that. Do your shopping. Then Amazon knows you came from me. And I get a 7% cut. You don't have to pay anything extra. That's Amazon. It's out of Amazon's pocket. Jeff Bezos pays that to me personally. He knocks at my door. Here you go, Mr. Clary. He calls me Mr. Clary. Should call him Mr. Templar. Um, and he sounds just like that. Hello, Mr. Clary. Oh, jeez. Mr. Smith. Sounds like Jimmy from one of those Superman cartoons. InvisibleHandFashion.com. If you are looking to buy conservative, libertarian, free market shirts... That will start and trigger conversations. Go to invisiblehandfashion.com. Do it now. Go there now. Take a look at it. See all that? It's hard to describe. It's a merch account, but it's interesting merch. Higher than average IQ merch. Steve's Jerky, facebook.com slash Steve's Jerky. Go buy some jerky there. Businessbuyeradvantage.com. Before you buy a franchise or a company or a bar, you think you're going to retire that way. I know you all want FU money. I understand. But don't waste your 401k, IRA, or RRSP in life savings buying a business that's just going to lose more money, <clears throat> which is nearly all of them based on my days in banking. Have David take a look at the business for you. It's worth dropping the money on either his books or hiring him directly. Businessbuyeradvantage.com. Let him know the captain sent you. Uh, Kingscastle.com. Check that out. That's the latest website in um, Manosphere Red Pill. A thought and community, akingscastle.com. Speaking of Red Pill, if you happen to be in Down Under, happen to be Australian, I know we get a fair amount of Aussie listeners from our good friend Adam Piggott, uh, xyz.net.au, or xyz, as they like to say it down there, xyz.net.au, check those guys out. mtfunow.com, <clears throat> mandthefuckupnow.com, 
another new website in the world of Manosphereian politics. I can't even call it politics, philosophy, and red pill philosophy. And then my books, Reconnaissance Man. If you don't know what to do graduating from high school, you look, either you or someone you know is about to graduate from high school this year. Okay, coming up pretty soon. And soon it'll be Worthless Degree Awareness Month. Now, if you don't know what to do or they don't know what to do after high school, which is 98% of these kids nowadays, oh, I'm going to go to college for what? I don't know. I kind of like biology. Well, I kind of have fun. These kids have no context. They don't know what the real world is like. Please get and read Reconnaissance Man. That is my most underappreciated, undervalued book. I know Bachelor Pad Economics is good. I know Worthless is good. That's another book that you should get for people as well who are about to go uh, to college and graduate from high school. But Reconnaissance Man, I say, I say even precedes that because it's like, wait, do you even want to go to college? And where should you go to college? Maybe you should go explore the world a little bit to find out what you truly, really want to do because guess what? The real world is not school. School does not teach you about the real world. So get that book, Reconnaissance Man. Even if you're 30, you think you're like, oh, I haven't visited a lot of the United States. I don't know where I want to live. Get Reconnaissance Man. If you live anywhere where it's cold and you pay state income taxes, get Reconnaissance Man. It has a wide audience, wide applicability, and like all my books, I give you a 1,000% rate of return guarantee. If you go and buy my books and you read them, you will at least save 10 times the amount of money that you spent on my books, which isn't a lot because, you know, these books are like maybe, you know, what's the most expensive one? 25 bucks audio for Bachelor Pad? $200? I guarantee you, you read Bachelor Pad Economics, uh, you get the audio version, you spend your 20, 25 bucks, you're definitely going to get your 200, 250 bucks back in savings. If you follow the advice, that's the other thing, you got to follow the advice. <clears throat> okay, so uh, black man's got uh, poverty. That's for uh, our uh, disproportionately large. <laughs> I don't mean just statistically. <laughs> disproportionately large uh, young black male listening audience. <laughs> Bada boom. Uh, anyway, uh, for all you young black gentlemen, or old black gentlemen, you just happen to be black. And you have to be in poverty. And you want to get out. Those are the three prerequisites for you to go and buy and read The Black Man's Guide Out of Poverty. A lot of Hispanics ask, hey, is that for me too? Yeah, kind of. You can, you can read it. It's, the, it's generally the same principle. And, and uh, although there are some very specific and unique things to the black culture uh, that I consulted with other black individuals about, it, it's, you could draw the parallels. It's, it's, it's economics universally, but again, tailored uh, to the black uh, gentleman. Uh, we have Bachelor Pad Economics. That's for anybody with a penis. Uh, it's, it's for anybody not with a penis if you can handle blunt truths and honesty. A fair amount of girls have been reading that. Um, some have been giving it to them. I can just hear that. I can just hear that. That's why there's a wage gap. Because of the constant... Girls will always... I found this out long ago. Let's tangent and diverge for a second. I have never... <clears throat> never seen a group of people go out of their way and expend untold calories of energy, resources, and effort trying to find reasons not to do things. Finding a way to say no. And I'm not talking dating. I'm just talking in general what I like. Hey, who wants to go climb this mountain? Well, everyone then go find a way to say no. Everybody and my friends, male or female, I fuck that. I don't gonna no. <laughs> hey, you're no. 
Only TJ Martinell would come with me, I bet. And my buddy Denver Ben. Uh, but in general, men always, not always, in general, men will try to find a reason to say yes to things, find a way to do it. Women will always try to find a reason to say no. Now that could be because of, uh, uh, evolution and biology. Women were back at home and they had to conserve energy. Uh, men had to go and take risks like, yeah, let's do it. We'll figure out, we'll figure out how to get those buffalo. And it sounded just like that on the plains of the American West. Uh, and girls were kind of, I don't know, maybe more risk averse. But now that risk is essentially eliminated from society, we don't have to worry about chasing antelope. The food is not only raised. We don't even go hunt the food no more. We raise our food. And not only that, we then butcher it. And not only that, we then transport it, pre-cut for you, butchered already, to... To, to, the, to the stores, to the restaurants for you to go get. There's not a lot of risk anymore, ladies. You can afford to take risks. You can learn to start saying yes. Hey, would you kiss me? Yes. Hey, you want to go have frivolous sex? Yes. Hey, do you want to go have fun and go on a date? Yes. I'm not saying you all become like yes man with uh, Jim Carrey, <clears throat> but just the amount of stubbornness and the word no. The theme song for American women. No, 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 Why is there a wage gap? I don't know. High risk, high reward. Also, also high risk, high death rate too. Don't know if you noticed that. Ah, man, we're so smart and so stupid yet at the same time. Ah, ah, us. Anyway, ladies, you could go ahead and get Bachelor Pad Economics. That's if you got the balls to read it. And most of you, no, 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 no. But if you wanted to, like how to close the wage gap, that should be the book. I'll just put that under a different title, How to Close the Wage Gap, Bachelor Pad Economics. Put pink over it. Oh, my God. How to close the wage gap. Work in STEM and work hard. Oh, jeez, no. All right. Worthless. Get that for kids in high school or college. Graduation gift, blah, blah, blah. June will be uh, Worthless Degree Appreciation Month. Maybe I'll bring that to May. Because kids graduate early in June. Ah, well. Enjoy the decline. Accepting living with the death of the United States. That could be applied to Western civilization in general. If you happen to be in South Africa and are white, you definitely want to get that book. You definitely want to get that book. Uh, Curse of the High IQ, that's for everybody, everybody. We don't, we don't split between um, gender or race on that one. If you're listening here, and I'm not joking, I'm not kidding, I'm not kissing your ass. If you're listening to this, chances are you're really freaking intelligent and you might want to read that book because it's going to explain a lot of things that happened in your past which will provide closure and it will put a lot of things in your future in context and clarity allowing you to at least live a more relaxed life and understand how the real world works around you being surrounded by the normies, conformies, and inferiors. So get cursed with a high IQ. Poor Richard's Retirement, that should be a bestseller. That should be a bestseller. I don't know why. Probably because I'm not a great marketer. By self-publishing standards, I am a pretty good marketer. Um, my books are successes for self-published. Uh, but I do want like that... Uh, <clears throat> the letter a fan sent yesterday. I looked him up. Oh my God. 
He's got 7,700 reviews. He wasn't joking. His book is a bestseller. I was like, 7,700 reviews. I'm just thinking like, okay, that's 700 times the number of books I sold on my best one. I'm doing the math. I'm like, I'd be a millionaire. I'd be a millionaire. Anyway, Poor Richard's Retirement. If you don't have enough saved up for retirement, the book is for you. That's it. That's the only qualification. You don't need to be poor. You don't need to be female. You don't need to be six foot tall. It's like, do you have enough saved up for retirement? No. Get that book. Get that book. Give it to your parents who, like, didn't save up for retirement. I don't know we can give you an inheritance. It's kind of funny. Like, does anyone expect an inheritance? It's kind of like Social Security. Don't worry. We're not expecting it. And then finally, if you have already bought any of these books and you've read them, please review them online. My goal is to get 200 reviews for a couple of my books. I think Enjoy the Decline, Curse of the High IQ, and Bachelor Pad Economics. If those break 200 reviews, then they'll, they'll send me up in the rankings and blah, blah, blah. Other people's books, Adam Pickett's Run Guts, Pull Cones, Push It Rubber Downhill. Uh, him and the Great One himself, they came out with the Greasy Pole Podcast. You could find that on sindlibsoch.com. Also, pushingrubberdownhill.com. They both uh, publish it. And I downloaded that podcast recently. Uh, but Adam has uh, two books out, Run Guts, Pull Cones, and Pushing Rubber Downhill. Of Personal Liberty, The Truth of Minor Vehicle Infractions. This was written by a fan, a uh, follower, rather, I should say. Um, Verl wrote this book. and if, uh, It's not for everybody, but if you are uh, a person who has interest in law, in the world of legality, you might like this book, kind of a case study, on are traffic tickets legal? Is it required that you have a driver's license? So check that out. Of Personal Liberty, The Truth of Minor Vehicle Infractions, therationalmail.com, our good friend Rolo Tomasi, his book, Positive Masculinity, uh, and uh, was it uh, Viral Podcasting, by our good friend Carrie Lutz, over at financialsurvivalnetwork.com. And Trade the Ratio by our good friend Glorious Carl. If you're interested in investing in gold and silver. Another book, Niggas Ain't Gone Read. Not niggers, niggas ain't gone, not going to. Another book, Niggas Ain't Gone Read by our good friend Marcus Brown. And then who else? Oh, Welcome to the Divide by S.P. Daly. Please pick up that book if you haven't. That is a very interesting, really intellectually stimulating book. I, I have not had my brain intellectually stimulated by a book ever. Now, keep in mind, I haven't read a lot of books because I hate reading. But you're right. Isn't that a hypocritical? Not with the money I'm making. No. Besides, I read all the time. remember having one guy criticize me saying, because I was talking about how I've read so few books, you know, oh, you're talking a lot for a guy with wisdom and da-da-da who has read so little. It's like, oh, you mean because I didn't read books? I say, what about the terabytes of data and economic reports I've read over. What about that? Does that count as reading? Oh, well, I know Because I'm just illiterate, you know. I just I, All I can do is understand the street signs driving down. I'm like, oh, look, a guy peeing into a urinal. That must be a toilet. Oh, look, a mug with grog in it. That must be a bar. Because, of course, you know, it's 500 AD in the Middle Ages, and uh, I, I can't read. Assholeconsulting.com. If you want lies, go hire a regular consultant. If you want the truth, hire an asshole. Hire me, the world's only professional asshole, America's older brother, the dark knight of advice columns, and the IKEA of consultants. And I guarantee you I provide a much better rate of return 
than your Deloitte and Touches and your Accenture Consultings because I don't lie. And if you let me tell you the truth, I can save you millions of dollars, quite literally. I could have saved the banking industry hundreds of billions, but no one wanted to listen to me. People think I'm arrogant and cocky when I say, oh, you can't save us millions. You're right. I can save you billions. But that would presuppose you 105 MBA-laden fucks would actually listen. Nah. <clears throat> it's just easier to go get bailed out by the taxpayer. Um, If you want a thumb drive with all the podcasts on it, uh, from the history of the Clary Podcast, I can mail that out to you. It'll save you the time to download them individually. Uh, but then also there's like the first 75 episodes are missing because I had to switch hosts. Um, so I could put that on a thumb drive, mail it to you. It's $35. And uh, I don't really make that much money off of it. You get a free thumb drive. How does that sound? And I don't care what you do with the podcast after. You can advertise on the podcast, $50 a month. No minimum required. You could just one month. That's it. There we go. Chad Elkins, ElkinsCPA.com. He's free. Our good friend Chad is free. Tax season is over and he is done. So now he is drinking heavily and chasing skirts. Uh, but check out Chad at ElkinCPA.com. Maybe not today. He might be a little inebriated because he just is celebrating taxis and finishing off. But if you are looking for a good quality CPA, ladies, if you're looking for a good quality man, you're going, where's all your good man gone? Well, may I recommend to you my good friend Chad Elkins, who is a CPA. I don't know. I didn't know. No, 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 no. It's so sad. And he's not the only one. But I have some, like, really good. TJ Martinell's another one. I have these female friends who are of the non-leftist bent. They're conservative. They're libertarian. Or they're just not leftist. They're hardworking. You'd think they'd be logical. I'd like to find out. I got this guy called Chad. He lives in Chicago. You might like him. Here's his website. Check him out. Check out his picture. He's not bad looking for you. No homo, but he's not bad looking. Do they follow up? No. I'd like to find a guy who's interested. May I introduce to you T.J. Martinell? He, he is in Cascadia. He is an author, very intellectual. He has a podcast. So you can listen to it here. And he's just a very interesting fellow. And he's in great shape. Hikes mountains better than I can. Runs up them, for God's sake. He's one of those guys. Well, he's in Cascadia. I don't know. May I recommend to you the great one himself who lives in the People's Republic of Fort Collins. He lives only 10 miles north of the metro area. And you could go. He's a, he's a trail runner. He's in the theater. No, theater. That's why, because he's got the southern draw. Theater. The British say, hey, ha they don't even pronounce the T-H. It's not theater. It's hi-ha. And then us normal people just call it theater. Uh, he's interesting fellow. In shape. Ex-military. Frugal. Very, very wise. Very philosophical. And I can't wait. And that's the other thing. You girls, these girls, and there's been many. They're in their 20s and some of their younger 30s. And it's like, how about this? They always, again, they always find a reason to say no. And then in the end, I'm just kind of like, eh, eh. You know what? Pay me. Why did I try? Why did I try? I have. I've, there's, 
I know this may shock you, but there's a fair amount of females that tune into the Clary podcast, and then I occasionally get a fan letter or an email or a question. Sometimes, oh, I like it. I'm like, okay, here's my here's my inventory of men. Choose, choose, short, tall, skinny, fat, professionals, artists, adventurers, authors, pilots, millionaires. I had a millionaire even. There's a millionaire out in California. I'd like older men. Here's an older guy, millionaire, dog, has a good time, great, adventurer, drives across North America with his truck and his dog, retired for life, good-looking guy, tall, sharp, handsome, nice peppered beard. (sighs) It's almost like, okay, you could, you could, it's not almost like, you could, you could go find George Clooney, clobber him over his head, drag him back, wrap him up as a gift, present it to a girl. <sighs> I don't know. <sighs> and then after a while, you're like, yeah, you know what? Fuck it. <laughs> I just, <laughs> just, just, you know what? Hit me up in another 15, 20 years when you're old, you're past the wall. You're wrinkly. I can't find a man. And I know it's so cliche and I know it's so overdone, but that's because you girls do it. And it's not even the leftist feminist stereotype who just put themselves in their career ahead of the guys. It's every fucking woman. You all find a reason to say no. I'm not even, it's not like I say, here's a guy and you must marry this guy. Here's this individual you must commit to him. It's like, go have a fucking coffee. Have a fucking drink. Meet him. If you happen to come through town, stop in. Let me know. I'll I'll arrange it. <laughs> I don't know, Miguel. Then the bet my favorite is when like, oh yeah, he's really cute. Oh, yeah, that's how I'll contact him. Five weeks later, hey, did my buddy contact? No, I didn't hear nothing. And I went, God damn it. And these are the, that's what's scary. These are the smart girls. These are the girls that, like, they are. They, they got jobs. They got careers. They're not leftist. Most of them are obviously conservative libertarian. I'm like, okay, here we go. Here we go. You got peanut butter. She's got chocolate. Let's make some Reese's peanut butter cups. Fuck, no, no. The chocolate goes ghost and then after a while you girls wonder where guys like yeah you know what i'm gonna pull a rich cooper and just say fuck it all right i'm just gonna go ride my cars have my fun go to the baja i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna sell whiskey like rollo i'm just gonna chill out relax and 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 that's uh, no no that's all right no thank you no i'm i did that in my teens and 20s thank you very much i'm done with that now I'm going to be over here writing my book in my cabin, smoking my pipe like TJ Martineau. I'm going to, I'm going to just work and wrench on cars in my garage. And you girls want to see, here's, here's the, here's the, here's the opposite. Now, I don't know if this is plays today anymore because now it's, it's the internet world, post-internet world, but there was always a dearth. There was always a mathematical deficit of the number of women that were out and about. Now, we knew women made up half the population. This is in the 80s and 90s. So you'd go out and you'd think there'd be equal men to equal women. Oh, no. Oh, no. It's a sausage fest. This is where Rolo, uh, not Rolo, uh, Roosh would put 
blue dots over a male's face and yellow dots over a woman's face. You take a picture of a packed nightclub and they just put dots over each, everybody's face to keep them anonymous. But then also it became very apparent when the blues outnumbered the reds three or four to one. And that's what we witnessed as well back in the 80s and the 90s. <clears throat> You'd go out and there was a deficit of women. And we're like, where are the women? And then you could, you could go clubbing. You could hit every nightclub and every bar and you'd be like, where are the women? There are no, there are two, thrice, quadruple the number of guys here than there are women. Where did all the women go? And the best we could ever come up with is that they were at home. You couldn't even say, well, they're with their boyfriends. Like, no, well, their boyfriends are here. There's, there's a mathematical financial deficit, very, very acutely so. They got to be somewhere. And we all just surmised that they were at home crying themselves to sleep. I don't know. There was no club where all the hot women went and like, oh, that's where the surplus is hiding. It wasn't like that. You hit every, because we're guys, we will figure it out. We will ferret out the answers. We'll ferret out the truth. But we tried to go and look and we couldn't find, it's like, where are all the girls? Where did they go? What the hell? Are we missing something? And then inevitably it's one of those things where it is what is. Uh, it is what it is, and you don't question the why anymore because you're not going to find out why. You're just going to bang your head against the wall. But that was 20, 25 years ago. Now, or I'm, I'm supposing now, another 10 years from now, it's going to be the, uh, the female equivalent of that is where have all the good men gone? I could tell you where they went. They're at the office. They're at home. Uh, they're working on their cars. They're writing their books. They're hiking. They're motorcycle riding. They're not out anymore. They're gone. They're doing their thing. Now, I'd like, as, much, as cute as it would sound, it'd be comical to think that women are all sitting in this warehouse. That's where the surplus women went. They're just sitting there like a hive, just like waiting. I don't know. <clears throat> but men are dispersed. They're out. There's no place to go find them, girls. And you can't find them. You cannot find them. They're, they're not on the market anymore. They are gone. They're not in venues or establishments or locales where it is socially acceptable for you to go and meet them anymore. Now, I guess the internet kind of makes that mood. I guess you could find anyone on the Facebooks or the interwebs. I guess there's some flirtation and meeting up that goes there. But in terms of meeting in physical space, these guys are gone. There's no one centralized location that you could go to meet them. Oh, you could go to bars. Last night, we went out to a restaurant slash bar, and it's amazing how the Minnesota Wild played hockey with all their players, because all the guys, all the hockey players from the Minnesota Wild were at this bar, because they all had their jerseys on, so I'm like, wow, what, boy, they must be playing with a, a skeleton crew. Just kidding. If you want to meet guys who wear other men's jerseys, yeah, you can still go to those bars, but you, you know, where have all the good men gone? The good men, by the age of 40 have gone off on their own adventure. The good men by the age of 40, sometimes even in their 30s, are like, I don't have time for this shit. They realize they're going to die. They realize they're on the declining part of their life. Not really declining. It's just you you have lived more than you have left to live. And we look at how your time was pissed away in the public schools and college and a career and chasing girls like, no. I'm living life for myself now. I'm going to go do what I want. And so uh, you could, 
I, I, I'll, I'll take that back. There are some centralized locations you girls could go. Um, <clears throat> the Cigar Lounge, especially being one of them. I know I've had a couple uh, black female clients who want to know where to find a good quality black man. I'll keep telling you, it ain't, it ain't changing. No one's, no one's done this. You go to a cigar lounge. You'll find not only quality black men, but quality men in general. I don't like cigars. No, 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 no. I don't like the smell. I don't get it. Well, I guess you're going to die with fucking cats. God almighty. Go, Jesus. You think guys like going to the fucking nightclubs where it was loud? Boom, 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 boom. Pay a cover. Pay for drinks. Pay for your own drinks. Bam, 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 bam. Dude, don't give me crap that the occasional wonderful uh, aromatic, aromatic smell of a fine Connecticut cigar is, compares even to the hellish pain a nightclub was. And the cigarettes back in the day, if you remember, before they banned cigarettes. So you can go to a cigar lounge. Golf club is another thing. I don't like shut the fuck up. Go to the fucking golf club. Walk into the bar and then start talking to the men that are there. Otherwise, aside from those two, and even then the guys at the golf club are pretty old and retired, typically married. But yeah, no, it's just they're, they've dispersed. They've scattered across the globe, quite literally across the globe. Some of them are in Thailand, some are in Japan, some are in Australia, other in Bali. Some are hiking in the Himalayas. Our good buddy R.J. Jones, he went out to Nepal, even though he's much younger than 40. That's they've dispersed. You can no longer herd them. They are gone. They are free. Where do I find a man? I don't know, and I don't care. I, I got other shit to do. See you. Bye. <clears throat> Wouldn't that be funny? I heard... The good quality men after 40 work on their cars. Girls knocking on garage doors. Oh, that require effort and then like promotions and courage and you have to approach men. And we know that's it. It's going to happen. You can, you can see it. You can see it's fated to happen. You can see what's going to happen. Men will die. They'll be, I just picture like an old, oh, what was the author's name? Ernest Hemingway. I just picture that. That's what uh, there's going to be a lot of these old bachelors. They're just going to be reading their books, smoking their pipe, uh, pursuing intellectual endeavors, uh, maybe wood whittling. Um, you know, maybe working on cars. They'll they'll belong to their clubs, and then they're just going to you know they'll have their money, and they'll just pass on. And uh, might have some nieces and nephews, and they pass on their estate to the nieces and nephews, but they'll just have nice, pleasant, old, retired-aged lives, and they'll just be, you know, sitting there whittling away. And and then, just based on what I've seen, and I can't say exactly where, because I have my finger on multiple pulses within the world. You girls cannot, you cannot lie to us. <laughs> you just can't. <laughs> I like to have this, and I like to have that. It's like, you're 60! You should have traded your chips in when you were 30 or 25. You didn't. Or you did, but, oh, I wasn't happy. And uh, uh, you got rid of the guy. Well, you, you, at 45, it doesn't work that way. It just doesn't. But at least the guys are evolving and advancing. Or maybe it's just uh, our ability to accept a, a, a cryptic reality through getting mauled by mammoth and saber-toothed tigers. Like, eh, this is it. Enjoy the decline. And we are. 
We are. It just is a bit insulting or disrespectful. I would like to get a a chocolate ice cream. Oh, here's a chocolate ice cream. I don't like that chocolate ice Well, fuck you. I would like to find this. Well, here it is. Oh, not that, but not that this. All right, never mind. I'm, I'm going to go play Legends of Zelda. I'm going to go play Breath of the Wild. You know what? I actually am going to go read a book because it's less painful. It's just less painful. Anyway, that was a plug for ElkinCPA.com. Both his accounting services, and if you girls want to find a guy, and T.J. Martinell, and the great one himself, and all these other people. Where have all the good men gone? Uh, they went away. Oh, Roz, wouldn't it be wonderful if all this paperwork just blew away? Always watching, Wazowski. Always watching. Whew. All right, conservatorbrew.com. 405media.com, Financial Survival Network.com, Conto Talk, Silvio Conto on blogtalkradio.com, O'Shea Jackson. If you happen to want a uh, brother, you want to, you get sick and tired of listening to my pasty white ass, go listen to O'Shea Jackson. Who was like, I should download some of his stuff. I did have plans today, but those kind of fell through. Now I'm just going to go to a cigar lounge. Man, download some O'Shea. Tune into him. Jim Fear at 138.blogspot.com. T.J. Martineau, we talked about him. Small-scale life, for those of you interested in gardening and victory gardens and survival gardens, tune in to small-scale life. World-class bullshitters, not only a great podcast on nerdery and geekery and Star Wars and comic books and movies and Marvel and DC Comics, uh, also a great place to advertise. Contact Jeff over at World-Class Bullshitters. Aaron, what's his email? I don't know. Just go to World-Class Bullshitters, search it out, find them. Uh, and here's the great thing. This is why I plug him. He gets back to you. It's like Tom Likas' show. Uh, Gary Zabransky. They get back to you. Right? So, and that's so rare that they have this simple business acumen and logic. Like, oh, you're going to pay me? Okay, I'll run ads. And boom, here's my money. Best money I ever spent. Thank you very much. Tell him the captain sent you because that way he's like, oh, yeah, Clary sent. All right, that's nice. Uh, Rich Cooper over at Entrepreneurs and Cars at YouTube.com. Michael Kingswood, podcast.michaelkingswood.com slash RSS if you're interested in non-communist science fiction. Non-communist science fiction. Uh, safetyphd.com, that will bring you to Dr. David Perodin's site. He is the expert. He is the expert. He is America's foremost expert on safety. Uh, and he is sought after across not just the United States but the world. Uh, and if you have kids or investments or whatever else, if you have assets, I don't mean necessarily financial assets, but you have things that you cherish, humans being most of them, uh, tune in. Learn how to make your family safe uh, against things like crime, murder, burglary, uh, but then also pedophiles, all that other good stuff. Um, and that's it. Uh, oh, you know what? The news now listen, man, I like the news. You guys like the news? Starcucks. It's not Starbucks, it's Starcucks. <clears throat> and if you don't know what's happening, you can just look it up. Um, and I haven't even read it. Because the important part of the article is not whether Starbucks was actually racist or not. It is the lessons that good corporate social responsibility virtue signaling corporations, this new management fad, uh, that is strictly coming out of the Gen X 
academic circles and business management circles where you just can't make a profit. It has to be profits plus politics is now biting these leftist corporations in the ass. <clears throat> but the, the short version is uh, two black gentlemen went to a Starbucks uh, and I don't know if they were loitering or not. Uh, a, story, a Starbucks, Star Cucks employee asked them to leave. They wouldn't leave. The Star Cucks employee called up the cops. People filmed it. And I, again, I don't know. The black gentlemen could have actually not been loitering. They could have been patrons. They could have actually bought their coffee. <clears throat> but whatever the case, the cops were called in. They removed the black gentleman from the Star Cucks. It was filmed. And uh, that's all that matters, is now Starbucks is racist. The reaction, though, is hilarious. It's just hilarious, and on so many levels. Because if you do recall, Starbucks, they, like I said, it can't just be profits. It has to be profits and purpose. And Starbucks couldn't just wait to shove their fist up your ass and force you to think about politics when all you wanted them to do was serve you your fucking coffee. About two years ago, they had that thing, let's have a conversation about race. They'd hand up the cu- hand over the cup and say, let's have a conversation about race. I did- <laughs> They should have gone bankrupt then. Because I don't know if you guys knew this or not. And this isn't just Starbucks. This is Target. Target with, oh, we're going to have transgender bathrooms. I don't know if you corporate managerial fucks who never worked in the real world. People just want their fucking coffee. I don't go to a coffee store thinking, I want to talk about politics. Uh, Same thing with Hollywood. I don't go to a movie thinking, I want to think about sexism. It may shock you corporate MBA-laden, incompetent, low-IQ fucks that sometimes when people go to a coffee store, the only thing, now take this down, I know I don't have a doctorate in business management, but you might want to hear this. This is a different idea. It comes from outside academia, so I know it's worthless. Sometimes they just want their fucking coffee. And for those of you in Hollywood, who I know you've been indoctrinated with social justice warriorism, sometimes... People go see movies because they don't want to stress or fret or worry about work or politics or the real world. They want escapism, and all they want is to be fucking entertained. And for those of you corporate people over at Target, I forget the social justice warrior they hired for their diversity corporate social response, some black chick, of course. Uh, This is the one that came up with the idea of let's have transgender bathrooms. Some people just want you to be a little bit cleaner than Walmart and sell us some fucking shit. That's it. When I go to the grocery store, I don't want a fucking sermon. When I go to a movie, I don't want a fucking sermon. When I get coffee, I don't want a fucking sermon. I don't want to be lectured. I don't want to be proselytized. I don't want you shoving some unwanted, unrequested, unsolicited fucking political point or sermon or lecture. Now, I understand you people are inferior, and I do mean that. You people are inferior pieces of shit. Because if you were normal or superior, you'd have more important shit to go on, and you would also say, well, it's not our business. You realize, yeah, you know, this guy just wants his coffee. This guy just wants his gas. This gal just wants her her makeup, whatever. And 
not only is it not critical, mission critical to our mission statement of making profit, it's none of our fucking business. But no, no, and this is a Gen X plague. This is a Gen X disease. This came strictly from Gen X. Where instead of just running your fucking businesses and serving up the fucking coffee, you cocksucking motherfucking social justice warrior, business social justice warrior, Gen Xers, thought, oh no, I have to have purpose. I have to spread my ideology through the place I'm working. Now that works okay for a while if it's a politically correct message, but here's the thing you guys don't get about the left. The left will eat its own. The left is ultimately lazy, and the left is always going to go for victimhood. And they don't care. I'll tell you the story again, because it was so epiphanal, and it is so germane to understanding leftists, right? And if you want to go into bed with them, and you want to just go beyond uh, profits and introduce politics and purpose. 19... 1985, I think I was 10 years old, definitely mid-80s, went to the Wisconsin State Fair. Now, if you look on the map, Atham, you'll see Wisconsin is abut Lake Michigan. And in Lake Michigan, they have these things called lampreys. Everybody take the time now to look up on the Google what a lamprey looks like. It's a big eel snake-looking thing with nothing but a bunch of circular teeth at the mouth of it, and it's a parasite, and it sticks itself to fish. It sucks out the blood of fish, or humans if you're stupid enough to go into a school of them next time you think about swimming in Lake Michigan. So in this tank at the Wisconsin State Fair, they had this poor trout or a couple other poor fish, and they were just swimming ever so sadly because these huge-ass lampreys had attached themselves to them and were sucking the lifeblood out of the fish. Now, I I thought the lampreys were fascinating because they're hideous, scary-looking creatures. I'm like, God, I'm never swimming in Lake Michigan ever again. But I saw a little lamprey swimming around, and here's this big lamprey attached to this big fish. And what ended up happening is the little lamprey did not attach itself to the fish, but instead bit into the large lamprey. And that large lamprey, and it hurt because you could see it, it disengaged immediately from the large fish and then swam crazily around breathing in pain. And that is the left. They will take free blood wherever they can get it. And all the virtues say, now let's admit, let's admit, Starcux was the, probably the foremost champion of leftist politics in corporate America. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. Let's have a conversation about race. You didn't just shove your fist up everybody's ass that came in there and want to have a cup of coffee. You first dipped your hand in some super glue, bashed it into a bunch of broken glass, waited for a cement, and then you shoved it up people's asses with your fucking unwanted political sermons and lessons. You, and you donate proudly to the Democrat Party. The CEO could not stop sucking Hillary Clinton's dick enough. It is painfully obvious that it's well, okay. It's not even painfully obvious. It's up to debate whether you're more interested in selling just a good cup of Joe or pushing leftist politics. Thank God for you. Most conservatives and Republicans are cucks, and then oh, you know, 
Oh, I know they want to hate me and kill me, but, oh, their coffee's real good. Let's just line up anyway. Same thing with you idiot cucks that go and buy Apple products. That and aside, it was impossible to determine whether you wanted to sell coffee or whether you wanted to sell leftist politics. And where did all this virtue signaling get you? And that's what it was. It was virtue signaling. It wasn't working hard, was it? It was your marketing strategy. The Gen X marketing strategy as well. Things have pretty much been optimized here. We got maybe we could introduce some technology. I know. Let's use politics. Teachers and professors have just laid forth this infrastructure of brainwashing our generation and younger generations to think there's value in being a leftist. So will virtue say, I'm a leftist too. I'm with you, sister. I know. Down with Whitey. Ha ha. I know. Come buy our stuff too now. That was your marketing strategy. But little did you know the lampiric nature of leftists. And with thousands, tens of thousands maybe, of Starbucks franchises and stores, inevitably, you know, because of the nature of population, you're going to run into some non-white people, right? And inevitably, there might be some legal issues the cops might have to be called. And I guarantee this is not the first time cops have been called in the history of Starbucks. But it happened to be two black gentlemen and it happened to be on camera. And whether or not they were loitering or not, that again is not my point, it got on camera, and leftists don't care that you are one of their own. They smell blood, and they went after it. And, and it's just wonderful. It is wonderful. Maybe this is why I'm in a good mood. To see you assholes lecturing me, you know, uh, uh, proselytizing me, sermoning me about how I'm a bad person and I have privilege and all oh, we gotta do this, and you're gonna donate money to jack up my taxes and lessen my freedom, and that's because it's your marketing strategy, and now to see it biting you guys in your own ass, oh, it's wonderful, it's it's a great day, it's a great freaking day. What what's even better? is the response Starbucks had. Because here's where I might want to go and take a look at the story. Were these guys actually loitering? If they were loitering and they weren't leaving, that person had every right to call the cops. Hang on, this is actually germane now. i got to figure this out. Hang on. All right, looks like Starbucks fucked up on this one. I just read through it. Looks like these guys are just sitting there waiting for the buddy to show up. I guess technically loitering, but maybe they just want to wait for their buddy. Okay, we'll get some coffee here later. Looks like Starbucks screwed up. And <laughs> where did all that touchy feel good leftist stuff get you? How much you want to bet they have they, now they're going now they're the response, as I, I said before, the response is, is very cucky. They're shutting down eight thousand stores. Uh the CEO's gonna apologize to the two black gentlemen. I think that's I think that's called for. I think that's all right. But you would have thought they had training. You would have thought with this leftist thing that, oh, we understand, we understand, not even the, necessarily the black gentlemen that were unnecessarily arrested, but the leftists would have, you know, the, the, the lampreys coming after it would have said, oh, hey, you know, Starbucks, eh, people make mistakes, that's wrong, okay, all right, well, oh, no, they want your blood. And now you guys are running scared. Now all that insurance money, all that, all that uh, uh, what is it, protection money you paid into the leftists, either through donations to the Democrats and all you're virtually signaling, where did it get you? It got you nowhere. And now you're shutting down 8,000 stores to do racial sensitivity training? 
Could it just be you had an employee that fucked up? You're going to, but this is the left. They don't know anything outside of politics. They know, hey, you know, we're sorry. Here, uh, you know, my apologies. No, that's what we're going to drop the charges. Um, here's some coffee, blah, blah. No, they got to go overkill. They got to double down on their virtue signaling. And that's just going to bring more lampreys to smell blood in the water. There's going to be a lawsuit now. There's going to be a lawsuit. If you had just held firm and said, it's a mistake, that person has been disciplined, we're terribly sorry, I'd like to offer, we'll cover for the legal expenses and time and any inconvenience, uh, terribly sorry, oh no, 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 you're going to roll over on your back and say we were wrong. There's something struck, <gasps> there's institutional racism over at Starbucks. It's institutional. It just is. It's endemic to your organization. Your soul, your your fiber, the fiber of Starbucks is racist. Because that's what you're confessing to unintentionally. Oh, you think you're placating them. You think you're placating leftists. They're not. They're not. And like I said, they don't care if you're a leftist organization. They don't care if you're a fellow lamprey. They're coming after you. And I don't mean these two black gentlemen that were unfairly arrested, it seems. Those guys are, are the true victims in this thing. Although, <clears throat> all right, it, charges drop, blah, 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 inconvenience. Probably pissed off, I understand. Um, where was I going with this? Oh, those guys. Take those guys out of it. The professional victim whores are coming out. The professional victim whores are going after you. This is... Stalin killed a lot of communists... Lenin killed a lot of, uh, what is it, Trotsky, uh, or was it Tolstoy? Tolstoy, which was the author, which was the politician? He, he didn't make it, got killed in Mexico City. These people don't care where they get their free check from, as long as they can get it, as long as they can be a victim. And they don't care how much virtue signaling you did, how good of a leftist social justice worry, corporate social responsibility type of corporation you are, they will come after you. And what you're going to find out how socialism works is that once the productive people leave and the people who are outright outspoken against it, like, no, you're not getting my money, you parasite, get the hell away from me. Once those people leave or you confiscate it, they're going to come after you. I love how in the Matrix, every, every lowbrow wannabe college student philosopher Loved Agent Smith's quote, you humans are a virus. Yeah, you know, we're like that. We just consume, consume, consume. It's like, shut up. We produce. If all we did was consume, we would have gone through this planet thousands, millions of years ago. We do produce. But leftists don't. They will consume, consume, consume until it's all gone. And that includes eating their own. That includes cannibalism. Because what do I constantly fucking say? The number one defining trait of a leftist is they are lazy. That is the number one thing. And it is their fear of work and toil and effort that guides all of the decisions. They have no loyalty. They have no love. They have no intellectual honesty. As long as they can avoid work because they are deathly afraid of the toil and the pain and the suffering that comes from work. And they will sell their mothers out so they don't have to work. 
They will betray you. They will come after you leftist organizations. And no matter how much fucking cockamamie social justice warrior, let's have a conversation about rape, leftist indoctrinate propagandist marketing slop you sell to the masses to roll over on your back and hope they don't, they are going to stab you. So like I said, these two gentlemen are not, these aren't the one. I think they're truly innocent bystanders in this one. But oh, did you fire up the race whore victimization machine? Oh, did you did you fire up the ra- the the race pimp machine? They are coming after you, good man. Oh, they're gonna come after you. And it's it's not even it, it could be race. Now this is this is signaling, not virtue signaling, just signaling to other professional victim groups. What about females? Is Starbucks Starcucks sexist? Are you guys sexist? Are you going to have to have more training? What's happened to the price of Starbucks? <clears throat> for for an honest mistake of a bad employee, what's happened to the price of Starbucks? Starbucks, SBUX. Let's do the month, get a little perspective. It's up. It's up? How is it up? What? How did it go up? What is wrong with you people? It was at 60, now it's at 59? Really? (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, never mind. Never mind. All right, that's it. That's the Clary Podcast for today. Uh, Tomorrow is Thursday. I may write something. I don't know. Um, it's twelve twenty. I don't gotta hang. I didn't hang out with my niece yesterday. They were too busy. I won't be able to hang out with my niece until five later on today. She needs me. She needs me to put her in her place. Otherwise, she just go run around, grow up, become some normal girl. I want her to be a. Frankly, I'm trying to brainwash her to become a hiking buddy. So that, like when she's like a teenager or something, hey, you want to go hiking with us? Yeah, get her excited about fossils. We go fossil hunt, and then I'll have a buddy. We'll go shoot guns. And they're like, hey, it's like a mini-me, except it's a girl, which is all right. We'll, we'll settle for that, as long as I can keep up and shoot guns and get excited about fossils and agates. And then she'll have a horrible life like I did. Maybe I should... Oh, no, but Uncle Aaron's going to make sure she majors in STEM. Oh, Uncle Aaron's going to make sure... Oh, 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 I'm going to make sure that kid does right. She got another little one, but Geronimo is what I call her. The little one. It doesn't even speak English yet, but that one is... Not yet trainable. Still pooping its pants. You can't you can't train them when they're still pooping its pants. You gotta wait till they're about two or three. Then they understand. Alright, that's it. We'll see you guys later. Toodles. <laughs>